Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, flashing back to the 2015 Masters, Jordan Spieth action. To break it all down, let's bring in the squad. Uh, We'll bring in first Mark Immelman. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you holding up? You excited for this one? Uh, Just taking off my mask. Uh, We are good to go. (laughs) We can can hear you loud and clear. So thanks for removing that. Yeah, we are good to go. Good to be with you, boys. All right. And also, uh, Kyle Porter, Kyle, in our group chat, uh, I believe you described this. I want to make sure I get the quote right. Did you say this could be the best Masters ever? Am I am I reading this right? It's it, it's <laughs> the, the greatest record, Rick. That's a stroke <laughs> of genius. Yeah, it's the greatest Masters. It, it is. Uh, it's Spieth's coming out party. It, it, it Tiger and Rory in the final round. Uh, you had Phil saying, I, fl- I mean, we'll get to all this, but he, this was the Masters where he said, I flushed it on 15. He hit that just three wood rocket on 15 around the tree and goes, oh, I flushed it. And it's just <laughs> the greatest quote. But and you, know, uh, you talk about quotes. I'm on board because you remember the quote and I hadn't, it, this is the first time watching back I'd seen this. Zach Johnson on the top of 15 fairway hits an iron in there and he goes, be right. And he goes, no, be really right. 15. And Zach Johnson at the top of the hill. Come on, boy. Four iron. Like, be really right. Oh, it's a beautiful shot right at the flagstick. Charlie Hoffman got just ejected into the solar system on Sunday. You know, we didn't see him after the second hole. So, yeah, this this Masters had everything. It, it's the greatest ma- – I mean, other than, like, 86, it's the greatest Masters. This is – I think this is the event where on, like, the first or second tee – it had to be the first. I think I've seen him take the most nervous shot I've ever seen a golfer hit. He, like, pulls his driver back, like, halfway, tries to flick one out there. He yanks it left into the trees. That's this year, right? That's 2015? I think it was. There was another Masters where he shot like a 65 in round one. Yeah. And his strokes gain was like 10. Or, I mean, it was a joke. It was that might have been in. I think it might have been back to back. It might have been in 14 when Bubba won. But yeah, I think that was this year because he was definitely in the final few pairings on Saturday and Sunday in this in this 2015 Masters. Okay. Well, before we jump into the 2015 Masters, let's talk, jump into the 2015 season, hop into our time machine and look back because this was uh, the Jordan Spieth year. This this mark, you know, when everybody at the end of the decade did, you know, years of the decade, season of the decade, this 2015 season for Jordan Spieth was, you know, one of the tops, if not the top season. He won five times. He won two majors. This was like peak Jordan Spieth. Well, you know, term the coming out party, and I mean, geez, it wasn't a party. The, the, this was him bursting onto the scene. I see a guy sort of bursting through the saloon doors, all guns blazing, and and sort of the new sheriff in town. And 
And as I was watching this Masters, and obviously the U.S. Open would follow, and he was a part of the storyline at the PGA Championship when Jason Day won, uh, and obviously at the Open as well, um, the way he was playing was unreal. And, and just to sort of look, I think the Masters was kind of indicative of it to me. And, and as I was watching back here and just watching the putts made and the golf played and, and just how everything was going right in one season, Jordan touched the face of God in, in, in golf. It was unreal. And I can now sense why the frustration is going on with a guy now, because when you play at that level, just any time, but let alone an extended period of time when it just seems like you are, in, are invincible and anything is possible. I mean, that's got that has got to be incredible. I've never been there. And then to come down from that and then try and get yourself back up there, which is next to impossible. Uh, it's, it, uh, my, mind, my mind is intrigued now, and, and I sort of understand the Jordan speed currently, given the run of golf he had in the season. I mean, it was electrifying. Five wins for Spieth were Masters U.S. Open, John Deere, of course, the Valspar, and then he wrapped it up with the Tour Championship. He swept basically every single award possible. He led the money list. This is when your Jordan Spieth stock would have been at its 52-week high, I believe. God. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it would have. I, I'm trying to look up. So he goes, he, well, he won three majors that year. He won Masters, he won U.S. Open, and he won the John Deere um, I was wondering what the third one was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm looking at his start to the season. He go. Well, I'm just going to run through this. So he goes T7 at the Phoenix Open. He goes T7 at Pebble. T4 and at uh, Riviera. T17 at the Cadillacs. So that's Doral. And then he wins Valspar. Uh, remember that? I think he was that a playoff. He hit that long putt on 18 to win Valspar. I can't remember. Second at Texas Open, second at Houston Open, and then he wins the Masters. So that's what seven top tens in his first nine events. I mean, he it, it was a it was unbelievable. And that you know, I, I just it to Mark's point, like the the degree to which he has fallen off. I think like it's crazy. I was thinking about this as I was kind of rewatching some of the stuff. He only has one Masters win. It feels like he has four. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's really strange to kind of look back on some of that. But yeah, he was awesome throughout the entire year. Well, the the parallel of, you know, his 2015 season and falling off and Jason Day's 2015 season and falling off, Mark, I mean, they're hard to, I mean, they're very easy to compare. Jason Day also won five times in 2015. He did it in five less events than Jordan Spieth did. He raised uh, the PGA Championship. He wins two playoff events. This, I believe, was that span for Jason Day where he had won, he won like nine times in 17 months or something like that, and this is right in the middle of that span. Yeah, well, both Jason and Jordan were making putts like it was going out of fashion, and, <laughs> and, and there's one thing that doesn't last. You know, golf is the great sort of equalizer. You have ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and if you're making putts, I always say to clients, whether they're beginners or professional golfers, you know, all across the board, no, what it, no matter what your station is, I'm like, remember the four most important words, this too shall pass. So if you're going well, know that it's going to go away. And if you're going badly, know too, it's going to go, uh, it's going to go away and, and things, the tide will turn and such. So, yeah, you know, it's tough to watch a golfer go from the heights of their power in the opposite direction. 
but that's where that's the measure of the guy and 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 that to me sort of highlights the achievement of Tiger Woods to come back um, even more with a victory at the Zozo the victory at the Masters the, the victory at the Tour Championship over the last few seasons after the depths of where he was it it speaks to just you know the moxie of a guy to to be able to get up and face it again because you know, when you're going upwards, it's easy. And when you're going downwards, it's precipitous and it goes badly quickly. And, and, and no matter what you try, things just keep going wrong. So it's a horrible place to be. And, and the, the sad truth of it is that if you're playing golf at the highest level, it's going to happen to everyone. It's just kind of how you respond to that. Yeah, when you're, I guess, the best player in the world, there's only kind of one direction to go from there. You can't be the zero-ranked player in the world. Um, th- to wrap up t- 2015, Kyle, uh, to, to put this into perspective, this was Brooks's first first win on tour. 2015, he won the Waste Management. So uh, this is now going to start kind of the Brooks run for the next couple of, of years. But do you know, or have you cheated already, do you know who the Rookie of the Year was in 2015? Well, I always just guess Justin Thomas. I have not cheated. <laughs> I know, I, got it. I know, I know, I know. I'll guess. Ju- well, hold on. I'll guess Justin Thomas. Uh, 2015. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, he Dad was Mark. a member of the class of 2011. Went to Florida State. Daniel Berger. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Berger. The burger. Yeah. So he's uh, he's rookie of the year. Jordan Spieth basically sweeps every other category. Uh, the other multiple winners that year, Rory won twice, Ricky Fowler won twice and Bubba Watson won twice. So that is very much in where we're at in this 2015 year. Uh, all right, gentlemen, there is this is go ahead, Kyle. Real quick, before we move on, the Charlie Hoffman follow up, he shot a 65 in round one of the 2017 Masters. Mm. So it feels like he was always like the first round leader after the match for like three years in a row. He shot 65. Dirt McGurch shot 69. Nobody else broke 70. And <laughs> of course, <laughs> Hoffman was four up first. It was the largest lead after the first round since 1955. <laughs> that, and, and then it went sh- away pretty quickly, right? <laughs> and then he shot a 75 in round two. That's about right. Um, all right. Well, there is this is to Kyle's words, the greatest masters ever. So there is a lot to get into. We're going to jump into the 2015 masters. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Augusta National has so many times celebrated the past, the present, the future of the sport from Jack Nicholas's epic 18th and final major here to Tigers first and Phil's breakthrough inaugural major win. And now with Jordan, this tournament once again could provide the compass for golf's next decade or longer. It just has a way of writing a script that gives the game its direction. All right, we're back. Uh, 2015 Masters, we know Jordan Spieth is going to uh, don the green jacket come Sunday, but Kyle, what something you were alluding to earlier was it feels like Jordan Spieth has won for Masters, um, you know, his his record's unbelievable. Obviously, in 2014, heading into this or the year prior, it was T2. He wins in 2015. We obviously know what happens in, in 2016. We can talk about mm-hmm. T2 there. But that's four straight top 11s uh, in the first four times playing the Masters. As crazy as it is, it's like he should have more green jackets. But like it's almost impossible to say that about anybody. I mean, I think you can make the argument that 
if one or two things go differently, if Bubba's ball on 13 in 2014 hits the tree uh, and goes left and instead of getting over it and going right, it obviously if Spieth doesn't hit it in the water on 12 and 16, I mean, he could have, he could easily not like, it's not like 20 things had to go differently. It's like one or two, he could have three green jackets, but that's why they're difficult to win. And may I, may I remind you, uh, what's that little poem that goes if ifs and buts were candy and nuts? <laughs> well, it's not it's not like I'm saying Thomas Peters could have three green jackets. Like it's <laughs> it's a, he, he was a lot closer. What I'm saying is he was a lot closer than a lot of other guys that have that have played in this thing. And to Rick's point, I mean, and the, I went back to the stat a ton during that stretch. He played his first four masters. He got beat by like eight guys. Right. Like that was it, you know, and and so you're getting beat by two guys a year at Augusta and you only walk away with one green jacket. I mean, Sandy Lyle gets beat by like 70 guys every year and he's got a green jacket. So it, it's weird that somebody like him and speed have the same number of of uh, masters wins. Sandy Lyle's in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's fine. I'm just saying like Sandy Lyle got he, he hit he had three top tens at majors like he hit and in two of them are wins. So like. He hit the jackpot whenever he was in contention in a way that, you know, somebody like Spieth, who was in it every year, did not. Mark, what we always hear about Augusta is kind of this. It's almost like course history at Augusta is is more it's more important at Augusta than almost anywhere. And it's the subtleties in the green. It's knowing the course. And that's why I think, you know, if you are a Jordan Spieth investor, so to speak, you are almost optimistic that. Every time we get to Augusta, he's at least going to compete, and his record shows that. I mean, what is it about Augusta that guys that have generally had success over the years can continue to have success, no matter what their form is? Well, Jordan Spieth's record, I mean, up to this Masters, he had played one time before and was part of the storyline, and then, of course, this win. I mean, he wins the Masters in his eighth competitive round. I think there's various things at play. Uh, I think getting to play practice rounds while with Ben Crenshaw, whilst Crenshaw was still playing back then, I mean, that is one of the best things a young golfer, a, a new Masters participant can do. You take out, like my brother took out Gary Player, whenever they'd play practice rounds. You get a Tiger Woods if you can. You, you get these guys like Phil uh, Crenshaw, Gary Player, when he was still playing. You get these guys out there, the guys who have had success, even Felder. And you just have them walk you around the course and and sort of show you because, you know, I take heat from about this every year when I'm on the call there on Amen Corner and I say, well, you know, this putt doesn't want to go to the right because Ray's Creek is on his left hand side for argument's sakes. And then everyone who's never been there goes, man, how can the ball break towards a creek? It goes downhill. <laughs> but this sort of stuff happens there. And if you know the place, you know those. I mean, in this Masters, there was a situation where where Jordan, um, it was early in the round. He had a short par putt. Um, birdie putt, pardon me, it was on two. McElroy had just missed it coming down the hill. They all expected to go left, and it didn't. And so that's number one, I think, playing with someone who knows the place, being a quick study. And then the thing about Augusta National is there's the only flat shots you hit on the place are on the pra at the practice facility, on the mm -hmm. practice tee there, and then on the teeing grounds. Otherwise... It is tremendously undulating and golf swing kind of goes out the window. You start playing golf, you start playing imagination, you, 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 start, you, you start to play the game to its bare bones. And when Spieth does that, 
the imagination he has, the short game he has, the ability for him to play off uphill and downhill and side hills. You know, he's, I wouldn't say he's perilous, but he's well up there. So it's those things, I think, that really line up for Jordan Spieth's game because it becomes a question of see the shot, imagine the shot, see the shot, have the moxie and the skill to pull it off and then do it. And Augusta National does that and he has that stuff in heaps. It's funny, Mark, you actually brought something up. I want to go right back to you on this because you brought something up that I think the the general listening audience would be pretty interested in. And you talked about practice rounds and we talk, you know, we hear, oh, everybody tries to get with, uh, what's his name? Jeff Knox, the the marker down there. Oh, yeah, Jeff Knox. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, they're trying to play practice rounds with guys who have had success here, who can kind of show them the little tricks of the trade. How, how do these practice rounds happen, right? If everybody wants to play with Ben Crenshaw, is it as simple as just Jordan Spieth calls up Brent, Ben Crenshaw? I imagine some of these guys are in kind of high demand to get practice rounds in there. What, like, what is that? Is it just friendship? Is it, you know, friend of a friend? What, what goes into this? It, it is friendship. I mean, you, you lobby the guys before the event and you say, when are you getting in? You know, let's get together for a practice day. And then at registration, you go in there. I mean, a lot of folks, I don't know if they're aware, but the caddy's number on their uniform, that's the number that you register. And number one is always reserved for the defending champion. So let's say you and me and Carl were like, okay, we're going to play a practice round Monday morning. Whoever gets there first goes to the registration sheet and writes down our names in a tea time. And uh, so, so that's sort of how it goes. And sometimes when you get there, you just put your name down in certain slots and then you might get fortunate or maybe it doesn't happen often, but you, you walk in there and you see Tiger Woods with a couple open slots next door to <laughs> you zip your name in there if you've got uh, the gumption enough. So, so it's, it's certainly some lobbying. It's certainly some friendship. Sometimes it's a little fortune. Um, so, so that the, the practice days happen. Sometimes, you know, when it's slow out there, guys just join up. Like uh, with my brother, the year he won, he was out there playing uh, uh, alone and there was a hold up and uh, um, a young Australian, his name slips my mind, Aaron Badley uh, comes and joins him and Bad is one of the great putters and they started talking mm. putting and lo and behold, uh, they get stuck on the green there, Ben Crenshaw's back in the fairway, so they wave him up. So Crenshaw joins them and it was a conversation. You should have seen these guys on the greens. Um, two great putters in, in Badley and Crenshaw and my brother alongside. And, and I firmly believe that that was um, something that had a part to play in Trevor's victory in 08. Yeah, I, I, I love that just something like that that wasn't even planned can probably make such a big difference. Now, let's jump into this because this was wire to wire, Kyle. This was Jordan Spieth out of the gate, 64, one shot off the court record uh fourth player to open the masters with a round of 64 or better and it hadn't been done since greg norman in 1996 but what uh, i want to i want to talk about the wire to wire and how crazy that is for speed but i also had forgot uh that this was rory going for his third straight major right because he mm. won the last two of 20 it would have been 2014 and I like completely forgot. I mean, we, we get lost so much. I, I, under, I know that Rory needs, you know, the masters to complete the, the career grand slam, but I forgot this would have been for three in a row. Well, and that was the thing after Spieth won the U S open, uh, Spieth and Rory held all four at one time, which is mm. not exactly the tiger slam, but it's some, you know, millennial version of it. Um, <laughs> that was, the, that was, the avocado toast slam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, I, the thing that I remember about this Rick early on is, uh, so when I was watching it, so I, you guys know, I love the 
the Vince Carter, it's over GIF. And <laughs> I, I never used it. Well, I used it. Uh, I, I misapplied it this year. I thought Tony Finau was over at Phoenix. That's I think that's the first time I've ever gotten one wrong. I usually wait until it's like, okay, it really is over. I used it this year in this tournament, the 15 Masters, on Friday afternoon. Wow. And it felt like, what am I doing? Like, this this is way too early. But it just, I mean, Spieth was hitting flag sticks on Thursday and Friday. Like, he was, and, and I think, you know, going back and looking at his results, I think that we forget, it, it's not as if, okay, he just plays great at Augusta. He was having an unbelievable year already, and he kind of brought that into Augusta where he had already played great the year before. And to go 60, what do you go, 64, 66, and he's up four on Justin Rose on Friday night. No, excuse me, 64, 66. He's up five on Charlie Hoffman. I was looking at Saturday night. Um, It it just felt, it it didn't, it never felt like it it was, the the champion was going to be anybody other than him. Hey, uh, Rick, uh, that that Friday afternoon was when uh, Kyle bought all the Jordan Speed stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, and he probably should have because it, it, it the, the second round, uh, almost as good as the first, Mark. I mean, he goes out, he follows it up. Kyle mentioned it. The 130 after two rounds uh, was a new Masters record, and it tied a major record. I mean, I, I just think of this stuff, and it's easy for me to roll it off the tongue, Mark. It's easy for me to say that's a new Masters record. But then you actually think like, Oh my God, this tournament has been played at the same place for so long by all of the greatest players. And like, it, it almost need like, I wish I could say it in a way that would show how incredible that is and like how significant it is. Well, the golf course was a little receptive. So it was um, kind of there for the taking if you were playing well, but typically the rule goes, um, if you get there on a Monday morning and you offer any of the players uh, in practice, you say you can have 12 under by the end of the week. They'll jump at that if you shoot. Because Bob Jones' idea, and it actually says so in the Patron's Observation Guide, it says that Jones' belief in a golf course design was that if you played well, you should be able to shoot in the 60s. So typically, and that's why Augusta National, the club, I believe, has done what they have with some of the the, the modifications to the course to to sort of defend par but allow you to shoot in the 60s if you play well. So to do 12 under through two rounds, I mean, that is complete insanity. And, and to look back at the stuff, I mean, I, I made the quip, he touched the face of God. To get to 19 under at that place, I, I didn't think that was ever going to be possible. I, I thought, you know, what Nicholas and Woods and these guys have done around there is a superhuman, but but Jordan was just virtuoso, man. Yeah, it, it really is unbelievable. Um, the the small version of of touching the face of God was Dustin Johnson, who made three eagles in that round, which is the first player in Masters history to do that. Kyle, but I mean, you you mentioned the fact that um, I don't remember when I was like, oh, this is over. I just remember being like, oh my God, Jordan Spieth, he's this is unbelievable. But like the guys chasing him, you know, we mentioned Charlie Hoffman, who was five back. But the next group, I guess they're seven back, but it's Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose. And then one shot behind those guys is Phil Mickelson. Like there were big names, uh, especially at the time, trying to chase down Jordan Spieth. And Kyle, you were still very confident he was going to be able to hold on to this. 
Yeah, and, and I'm glad 16 didn't come first because I probably wouldn't have been as confident. <laughs> right, I was going to ask you about that. When did you do the uh, Vince Carter gif in 16? <laughs> uh, well, thankfully <laughs> thankfully that year I was out on the course, so I, I didn't have the opportunity to no, do no it. No cell phones allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my Saved first him. one. That was my first one to cover in person. So I, I was uh, I was spared the shame of, of, but I you know what I would have sent it that year was after nine. He was on uh, he was five up after after the first nine holes on Sunday. He was five up on everybody, and he lost by three. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, you know you you had big names, but it wasn't I don't know like even like DJ and Justin Rose seven back with the way he was playing yeah it's 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 a lot and especially at a place like that where you know the the tiger playbook was go low early and then just kind of defend it on i mean look if some if if dj goes out and shoots a 64 on sunday you know you tip your hat and move on but it was it it got to the point where it was going to take it you you were going to have to have something really special to run down speed on the weekend. And it just didn't feel like any of those guys, you know, other than maybe Phil, but he was eight back. It just didn't feel like that was, that was really in play. The third round, Jordan Spieth goes out, shoots a 70. He's got a four shot lead over Justin Rose, who uh, made a flurry coming in and, and to get to 12 under. But Mark, you're still sitting there. Now you've got a guy who, you know, in 2015, he finished second uh, the previous year, and he's going to go to sleep on a four-shot lead uh, at the Masters trying to earn his first green jacket. Can you even imagine uh, the type of things that he's thinking uh, Saturday night? Oh, man, you go through <laughs> all of them. Uh, the mind is a, a terrible playground at times, and and you as a kid, every kid, I mean, every single one of us on this podcast, everyone listening to this, you know, you've been there. You've been the kid on the putting green practicing and having that putt to win the Masters. Now you go home and you're with your – granted, he had his family there, so they'd keep him a bit grounded. But still, you're thinking to yourself, four up, one round to come. I'm on the cusp of history over here. Your mind uh, will, will, is just going bananas at that stage. I mean, I'll tell you personally, when my brother had the lead leading into the final round in 08 – my mind was all over the place and I didn't, I don't even get to put my hand on the rubber end of the golf club kind of thing. So I can only imagine what it must have been like for him. But the one thing for Spieth is this guy is at such a tender age. He's such an old head on young shoulders. He's massively mature. Uh, he was so emotionally balanced. You could see in the warm up before the round, even how just calm he looked. And and it was just like another round of golf. So he had this sort of otherworldly piece about him. So perhaps there wasn't the mind playing tricks on him because Lord knows it can happen very quickly. Uh, I'm curious about, Mark, how much sleep you think you would get the night before if you had the lead? I mean, is it, are we talking like an hour, five hours, three hours, <laughs> ten? I don't know. Well, let's man. start with this. What do you get on a normal night, Mark? I'm old now, so it's probably about six hours, maybe seven-ish. I go Wait, to sleep do, you get early more, wake up early. do you get more or less than you used to? Yeah, I get way less. You got that to look forward to, Carl. I already, I already get not enough. <laughs> you better start taking melatonin, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's for my kids. No, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but that's that's for them. I, Carl, to your question, I, I'm not sure. You know, I'd, I, I believe, and I would say this to anyone if I was advising: uh, just go through your regular routine. Um, and if that's not watching sports news, we'll do that, um, during an event, 
if it's not doing caffeine because a number of guys during the major championships will avoid caffeine and high sugary stuff because your your senses have to be so sharp and you can't have jiggles in your hands and stuff like that. But then there guys, like if you can have a glass or two of red wine the night before dinner, go ahead and do it. So I'd probably go that way, kind of, you know, numb the nerves some and, and just see how we go from there. I love it. I love it. So J- Jordan Spieth comes out. Now let's talk about this, this final round. We know he's going to end up winning this thing. He's going to shoot another 70. He's going to finish at 18 under par and he's going to win it by four shots. But Kyle, I, I, as I was rewatching this, the guy goes out and birdies the first again. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like he, like this is just, you know, foot on, on throat type of stuff here. Is there, I don't know, even know if there's a specific shot that's that even stands out to me on in this round. Just I just re- remember thinking, and as I rewatched it, just like just how good he was. I don't know if something specific jumps out at me. Yeah, I mean the he birdied two of the first three. <laughs> yeah, so he birdies one, par two, birdies three, and you're like, is he going to get to 25 under? I mean, it it was it, he he kind of stumbled there in the middle, but. Then he he almost got it to twenty. I I remember watching and thinking like I really want him to get it to twenty, right? To to twenty under at, at Augusta. Are you kidding me? Because I don't think I don't think Tiger ever touch. I don't I don't know. You you might have to back me up, Mark. Did Tiger? No ever one touch ever 20? got. Spieth was the first guy to get to nineteen. Okay, so nobody ever touched twenty. And you know I think the thing that look we always talk about. Uh, Spieth's putting, and he's he's obviously a really good putter. But the thing that I remember about this stretch, basically 14 to the end of 17, was that he was the he was one of the best iron players in the world. And he he's never really been a great driver, but again, like I go back to those first couple of rounds, he's just hitting flag sticks, flag sticks, flag like he's just knocking down flag sticks and. People only remember the putting because it's more dramatic, I guess. And he just it, that kind of became his reputation. But the reality is that like his strokes gained approach was that's what won him the Masters and and caused him to finish. You had in the t- to get that in. Then. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, that go read. What's the guy's name that wrote that book, Rick? Joe Pita. Joe Pita. Yeah, like he does the the strokes gained data at the Masters and. His approach, his his approach numbers are sick. Like it, it, that's that's why he was competitive for those four or five for that four or five year run. I, I, I'll tell you this: the, through round, rounds one through three, the ball striking was off the charts. Those two strikes that he made down the first, the tee shot, because that is hard and you are nervy. The second shot was sensational. After uh, Rose had stuck one in there pretty tight. I mean, those were to me, and then the tee shot off the second were his best strikes. From there, he kind of lost the handle on the golf swing some. And as I looked through those things, you talk about the putting. There were some putts that he hit. First off, he makes this downhiller from about 15 feet on three that is lightning and sliding to the right-hand side. He makes that thing like perfectly in the hearts. And then you fast forward some. He made a few sort of through the turn. And then there's a putt on 15 to just hold the lead. Downhill, sliding to the right, just glassy. 16, same thing. I mean, those two putts, those three putts, 3, 15, 16, are putts that I could put you there. I could put Spieth there. And he'd make those things three or four out of 10 times if he does well. The putt, so on, six, the, the putt on 16 yeah. is, is crazy. 
the one on three was better. <laughs> Seriously. And, and so as I looked at the golf swing, I've never got to ask him about this. But to me, it looked like he wasn't as sharp uh, with the swing as what he was rounds one through three, where it was really, really good. But my goodness, the way he rolled it on the greens, because he never really put pressure on himself. And, and, and it was it was a masterclass on, on the greens there. I think I remember him saying at one point that it wasn't until after the putt on 16. So he's he's 19 under after he makes birdie at 15. Justin Rose is 15 under. Uh, Phil is 14 under because he eagled 15. And that's kind of it. Rory's 11, but he was pretty far ahead of that that group in terms of where he was on the course. And I, I think I remember Spieth saying after he made the put on 16 to stay 19 under, to basically stay four up on Justin Rose, that it wasn't until then that he was like, okay, this is, this is over. Because you're up four with two left. That's, I mean... You know, it's not a John Vandeveld situation at the end. So he he kind of knew after that putt, but it it was a. It, I mean, I was rewatching. It's like a ten foot putt. I mean, it was not it was not a kick in, and he just buried it. And you could kind of tell he knew after that, like the way he reacted. It was like this. That's a wrap. Vince Carter gif. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned. Was, I was just looking, I was trying to find out what the most like stressful hole or shot he would have had. I mean, you mentioned five through six, five through seven, he plays it two over and Justin Rose gets within four, but that's really as close as anybody really ever gets. I mean, I, I was thinking maybe 17 because he had doubled it earlier in the week, I believe. But by that point, to your point, Kyle, he was, he was already four shots clear from there. So I, I don't know. It, it's almost like, and Mark, maybe you have some more insight on this. Like I, I hate to say any final round of a major, let alone the Masters, is pretty stress-free, but like, I don't know what the most stressful part of this round would have been for him. Every round at Augusta National, is you feel like you're walking on a knife edge because the <laughs> margins are just so fine. Um, it, the, the golf course is so demanding, and, and, and at any single time, you know that you can hit a quality putt and leave yourself five or six feet coming back. You, you can hit a ball that misses a yardage by a few feet, and the next thing, instead of 15 feet, you've got 40 feet. Impossible. So there's never a stress-free moment, I don't think, at least the golfers that I've talked to. But the thing that Jordan did so well was, was just able to stay present. You know, when it was a grind through that middle portion of the round and there, there were a couple left and right misses, then the left and right turned into long and short on the back nine. So it looked like he kind of figured it out, but then was the, the ball was coming out a bit more flush than they were playing for, but he never got ahead of himself. And, and then he also didn't look like he was living in the past that much. You didn't see many practice swings after shots. Like you kind of see Spieth do now. Like if Jordan misses a shot now, if you watch the reaction, he's there grooving and grinding on the golf swing. He was there every step of the way, wherever his feet was, were. And, and, and to me, that's where he did it so well. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't stress free. It wasn't stress free, even with four. I think I think to Mark's point, like that's what made like the thing that he's talking about. I think we sometimes miss with Augusta National. It, it is such it, it it might be the best risk reward course in the world because everything's especially when it's playing fast and firm, everything's just teetering on the edge. And if you hit elite golf shots you can make birdies. And if they're anything less than elite, you're going to make bogeys and double bogeys. And I think that is the beauty of, I mean, obviously 
uh, Augusta is is viscerally beautiful, but it I think that is the the beauty of the way the course kind of plays to the best players in the world. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I just want to say you made a great point, Mark. Thank you, man. Viscerally, uh, if you had viscerally halfway into this podcast, you win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So Jordan Spieth, obviously going to go on uh, to win the green jacket. He's going to get that in Butler cabin. Quick, Kyle, who puts the green jacket on him? Quick, quick, quick. Bubba Watson. Okay, good. Okay. Bubba Watson uh, puts the green jacket on Jordan Spieth. And let's talk about some of these records because they're kind of crazy, right? I mean, 18 under uh, his, his score there ties the master's record. Kyle, this is his first major championship. He broke the birdies record. Is Are any of these, you know, more impressive than others? It, it was just a completely dominant performance. Well, I mean, think about this. How old is, uh, this is like, it's like Colin Morikawa winning the Masters this year. Okay, I'm I'm glad you said that because I was going to say how old was he here? He was young. So who would yeah who would be our modern day like Actually, if someone think, wins it this year? Well, it'd be like Sungjae. Sungjae's 21. Oh, don't even do not even tease about that. <laughs> it, uh, it would it would be it would be pretty much the same thing because yeah he's Spieth had 20, been out he had been out there 21. for he had been out there for a couple years because he he won the Deer when he was 19, the fifth major, and then he. Almost won the Masters in 14 when he was 20, and then he did win it in 15 when he was 21. And in the same way, Sanjay's been out there for two or three years, so it, it's not as if somebody just rolled out of like you know the NCAA's at you know where Inverness or whatever and and won the Masters. But it was it was still crazy because he was just 21 years old, and it, it would be I think it would be kind of akin to, to somebody like Sung Jae winning it in 2020. That's absolutely wild. I love it, Mark. I mean, tr try to, when you're a 21 year old and you're, you're putting on your first green jacket, you've got your major championship, uh, you know, now in, in the trophy case, I mean, kind of walk us through, like, what, what is he thinking? What is he thinking his trajectory is? You know, what are we as, you know, media members now we're putting all this weight on Jordan Spieth. I wonder if, um, I mean, he obviously had great success for years after this, but I imagine that starts to weigh on you a bit when you're 21 years old and everyone is crowning you as kind of the next the next best thing. Well, he came in with a whole bunch of um, acclaim and, and there was a lot of hype around him. But to me, when you win the big one, or in fact, just any tour event, when you win, your, uh, when you win one, there, there's the competitor within and perhaps the human within starts to go, well, I have to validate and I have to prove that I belong. This was not a flash in the pan because the one thing I'll tell you for certain is that master's club, that, 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 that role of honor, those champions around there, these are legends of the game. And, you know, to break into that very select fraternity, to get the green jacket, you kind of feel like you have to prove that you're worthy of it. If you know what I'm saying. So, so, so for me, I, what happened afterwards made Jordan Spieth very impressive to me because he took that victory and he put it where it belonged uh, on then into his closet. And I'm sure he looked at this thing and said, okay, I'm not going to try and validate me. This has proved that I am good enough and now I'm going to accelerate. And my goodness, he accelerated for a while there. Um, because you see a lot of golfers that get the first one and then they start, you know, trying to change to prove themselves because you know, I, I've, I've seen situations where the golfer wins a big event like the masters. And then you hit yourself a snap hook off a tee somewhere and you're like, well, 
the the legends never did that and it's, <laughs> it can get into one's head very quickly and so to me what was more impressive all of the records the win the whole thing because the win was was one for the ages um what was how he dealt with it and how he he parlayed that into a bunch of success and and he used his platform well i mean as as a human being and as a golfer and as a role model he certainly he did well on that front in my opinion too i i completely agree the the as impressive as, as this masters victory was the more impressive part to me is the some of the results he put up after t3 at the memorial then he goes out wins the us open uh t4 at the open championship second at the pga championship so what's that Four, no worse than T4 in the four majors that year. And Kyle then he stuck went, was skyrocketing, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think, I think he got beat by like four guys. It's unbelievable. And then he, and then he wins the tour championship and it's just Wait, like, Oh, well, okay. <laughs> he, he got beat by Jason day twice, uh, Zach Johnson and Mark Leishman. Or no, who was in that playoff at St. Andrews was uh, Usazen? No, yeah, no, it was Louie. Uh, Leash, um, Zach, and Spieth. No, Spieth wasn't. No, Spieth in the wasn't. In. Uh, it was. It was Zach Johnson, Leishman, Louis Ustazen. Yeah, and then so he got beat by four guys. Those three, and then Jason Day at the PGA Championship. But I mean, to your point, Mark, like he took the slam to what the seventy-first hole at the Open. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took the slam to like July twenty-second, and wow. that just doesn't that just doesn't happen. Like it. I mean, I, I can't remember the number of guys that have won the first two of the year. It's not a big number. It's like five or six, I think. And, you know. Get these names. Huh? Player, Hogan, um, Nicholas. I mean, that, that, that's a pretty, uh, some sort of list. There are a couple more that slipped my mind. But but, but this is this is the, the Mount Rushmore of golf. Well, and, and I think, you know, I, I go back to, I, I wonder of all the shots, I, this would be a fun question to ask guys, like what's the one shot you'd like to have back? I bet for Spieth, it is the tee shot on 18 at St. Andrews in the final round that year because he needed to make birdie and he hit a ball that was so far left, it almost went like, he, he was like on one when he was hitting his second into 18. And like on the other side of one, it was crazy how far left it was. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know why I'm talking about the 2015 open during a 2015 masters rewatch. There's no, there's no rules. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I've got the 2018 masters Wikipedia tab open. So I've been scrolling through that anyway. It, it was crazy that he took the slam to the 71st hole at, at, at the open. A couple other things I want to make sure we chat about really quickly because um, because Ben Crenshaw came up earlier in our conversation, Mark, and this was his final Masters. Now, I kind of want to talk through, you know, obviously the great um, tradition that, you know, once once you win the Masters, you get to play it, you know, forever. And, and I imagine it is difficult uh, for a, a Masters champion to decide when is going to be kind of the last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I imagine it's, you know, you, you're physically, it's a mental uh, question that you've got. Like, walk us through what some of the, because this is, you know, one of the few times we get to see some of these guys who won it, you know, 30, 40 years ago still competing. Um, but at some point they're going to have to decide this is the last one. Well, I think it's what makes the Masters great. And 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 the, the, the champion within will always want to play. Um, but then, you realize because the golf course is just so difficult. Uh, yeah. I, I want to tell people that have never been there, 
what you watch these guys do, like in this, where they are absolutely going bananas and making strings of birdies coming down the second nine, it is hard, and it's a big walk. I mean, there's some huge hills around there. And you've got to be in good shape to play. Not just It's not just four rounds, uh, even for some of the ceremonial guys, you know, the two rounds Thursday, Friday, but a couple practice rounds. Uh, it is a lot of walking. You've got to be in tremendous shape. It's difficult. It's demanding emotionally. And so the guys kind of know. Uh, but what made the Crenshaw thing, the retirement, so cool was, as I mentioned, he and Spieth played the practice round together. Crenshaw retires. It makes it his last Masters. And it, it's, it's the uncanny thing about the Augusta National Golf Club and the Masters because every year this place somehow gets to author or it authors a story that has got just, it's dripping with tradition and sentiment. And, and to me, it's what makes the masters great because you have the legends there and the champions get together for their dinner on Tuesday night and everyone's playing practice rounds and the par three thing. And then the ceremonial tee shots. I mean, I believe this year was, was it the last year we saw Arnold Palmer or did he do one more? My mind fails me right now. Ooh, I don't the, know. Kyle, do you know that? I think this was Arnie's last year. I think the following year he went there and sat on the tee. Uh, correct me if I'm you there. He um, he but, died right before the 2016 Ryder Cup. Okay, well, so then, so this was 15. Yeah, 16, I believe he sat on the tee. He didn't yeah, hit. that's right. Um, so it was the last tee shot people ever saw Arnold hit there. And, I mean, and then you have this, the coming out of the superstar that shreds records. I mean, it, it's... That place to me is unbelievable, and every year it does. It, it, you come in with these expectations, and somehow it finds a way to blow them out of the water for you. I love it, uh, gentlemen. Let's wrap like this, uh, Kyle. Just throughout this rewatch, uh, anything that you had forgotten, anything that you enjoyed reliving, or anything that we haven't talked about that we need to cover this 2015 Masters tournament. Well, we need to talk about Tiger healing himself on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Best soundbite ever. Like the like the resurrection on Easter Sunday. He uh, he hit a root on nine. Was it? I think it was nine. Out of nine. Coming out of the, coming out of the woods, and uh, his interview with Bill McAtee. His shoulder looked lame when he was walking up the. <laughs> his his interview with Bill McAtee is all time because he said. Uh, we saw you catch a root apparently, yeah, and you're swinging. How are you feeling? Uh, just a, a bone kind of popped out and um, the joint kind of, you know, went, went out of place, but I, I put it back in. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, in terms <laughs> at of the time, I remember watching it and being like, what? Did he just heal himself? Like, what just happened? Yeah, it was it was weird because this was like, you know, you look at 13, he's player of the, I think he's player of the year in 13, and then he comes back for real, was it 18, 17, 18? This was like the one Masters in between that he was like legit kind of playing because, and, and and that was the thing about fifteen. That was the Phoenix Open year when he was blading chips into the crowd, and he takes those two months off, comes back, and he finished what t twenty one seventeen something like that. He actually played pretty well, and we didn't really know what to expect that year. And then he healed himself on Sunday, and it, it was. I just remember those last like four pairings. It was just a joke because you had Tiger and Rory, you had Phil and Charlie Hoffman, you had Justin Rose, you had Spieth, and it was just it was wild to to see the number of big names in those final pairings. 
even the final, yeah, the final pairings were great. I mean, the final leaderboard was was Spieth, Phil Mickelson, Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy, Hideki Matsuyama, Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, and future First Cut pod guest Ian Poulter uh, rounding <laughs> out. How's, how's that for a plug? Hunter uh, Mayhan top 10. <laughs> Yeah. On a man top 10. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's an absolute stacked leaderboard. Uh, Mark, what was the, you know, the one thing that we haven't covered that we need to, or something that stuck out during this rewatch? A couple things stuck out to me and Kyle will know this. Um, the masters for, for obvious reasons is a very emotional thing to me. And, uh, and when I watched this back, uh, just emotions came flooding back, but I got to give a nod to the BAs and the PAs in the CBS trucks because the tees and the titles that they put together for that event, when you're seeing footage come back from Player and Nicholas and mm. and all Sneed and all these legends, and then they add the music to it, it's just it's moving to me. But the big deal for me was watching Phil play there, and yeah. there's just a love affair between Phil and Augusta National Golf Club. And it doesn't matter how he's playing coming in there, he's going to find a way to be a factor. And looking at the way he played. He was swinging, and he was a part of the storyline for a big deal for for a long, long time. There, um, he was swinging very smoothly. So, and and he wasn't hitting bombs as he calls them. So, so I'm I'm wondering if Phil ever went and rewatched this thing and goes, okay, well I've got enough in the tank now. Maybe I should hit bombs a little bit more judiciously, because the way he played was just beautiful, man. And if if it wasn't for Spieth, you know, Phil might have had another. I love it, gentlemen. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that's Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. That's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And we are loaded with content next week for the Masters. We are releasing something every single day. Stay tuned for that. CBS got you covered. Next weekend, we're going to be flashing back to 1975, 2004, and of course, 2019. I've heard of that guy, Tiger Woods. He won the Masters that year. Uh, he won so in 04. Was that Phil's year? That was Phil's year. That was Phil's year, yeah. Whew, I was nervous. Put me on the spot. I'm the glad leap. I got it. That's right. He it leaped leaped into history. Um, leap is stretching us. Thirty one on thirty one on the back nine to just just break Ernie's heart. I mean, it was it was tough. It was unbelievable, but it was tough for Ernie. I was standing on the putting green with Ernie else as when Phil made the putt, and I'll never forget the look on Ernie's face. He, he just the crowds went crazy. Obviously, Ernie just took the putter and put it back in the bag and just turned around and walked straight toward the clubhouse. Not a word was said. And 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 you could see it's like someone had just drove a dagger through this guy's soul. I mean, it was it was it, it was something that will live for me as long as I I breathe. Well, there you go. And you can see that on CBS this weekend. All right, Jim. Well, I don't know. I got to wrap it up somehow. Uh, All right, gentlemen, a lot of fun. Um, As always, uh, we will talk to you next time.